Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. Today we're talking about Azure Security Fundamentals Level 1. We have Andrew Brown from ExamPro who has written a lot of courses in Azure certification as well as in the AWS space. So I could not think of a better person to bring in to talk about Azure Security Fundamentals. We went into some of the differences between what do you see are the building blocks of cybersecurity in Azure? What are some of the features and the good things and the bad things about having security in Azure? And who should really consider using Azure in the first place when you're thinking about application being deployed? And maybe you don't even need an open source tool, unlike in the space of AWS, to have security. Yes, who would have thought you don't actually need an extra tool or open source tool to go down the path of securing your Azure deployment? As always, if you find this episode helpful or if you know someone who is trying to build their knowledge in the Azure security space, I would really appreciate if you share this with them. This free episode is brought to you by by Cloud Security Podcast of no free charge. So I would appreciate your help in giving us a review or rating to help us spread the word as well. Thanks so much for people who have been leaving us a review or rating and sharing them on their LinkedIn post and Spotify. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me and I really appreciate the love that you're sharing so I can help out a lot more people as I try and educate the world on cloud security. All right, I'll let you enjoy the episode and I will talk to you on our weekend regular slot. Stay safe. Peace. As companies expand to the cloud, asset visibility worsens. The Jupyter One Cyber Asset Management Platform helps you get it back. Jupyter One provides context, understanding, and visibility into your entire cyber asset attack surface with over 150 integrations, including AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, and more. Jupyter One helps you answer complex security and infrastructure questions, understand the contextual relationships between assets, and build the foundation for your security program. Try it for yourself. Get started with your free Jupyter One account today. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty sure a lot of people know about you and ExamPro already, but for people who may not know who Andrew is, could you share a bit about yourself? I'm the co-founder of ExamPro Training Inc., which is a, a company that provides uh, certification training for first-tier cloud service providers, AWS, Azure, GCP, and other things like cloud native, like Kubernetes, Linux, things like that. And uh, the way I got into it was more so the fact that I wanted to just build my own learning platform. I've been always uh, really passionate about ed tech, technical education. And prior to this, I worked for a variety of startups building educational platforms. So learning platforms has always been my thing. And I always knew, knew that I wanted to build my own for my own uh, learning purposes. And I knew that I needed to adopt cloud. And in a way, you know, all of the cloud certifications you see me producing is really the acquisition of knowledge so I can apply that to build the best learning platform there is. It still has a lot of work to be done, but you know, that's where we got into with cloud. So what's required from a technical skill set for a role in an Azure cloud role? Yeah. So, you know, if you're talking about Microsoft Azure compared to all their first tier cloud service providers, and you're coming in fresh, like you, you know, you might have some developer experience, but not cloud experience, you know, it could be a difficult uh, learning curve, or it could be a very easy learning curve. It really just depends on your environment where you're from, like over in the UK, Azure is highly, highly adopted over there. And so they have a lot of like ecosystems, like community ecosystems to help you uh, succeed in there. 
If you uh, have been working with Microsoft-based workloads for the past 10 years and you're just getting to cloud, you're going to find that it's going to be like a natural path straight to the cloud for you. You know, in terms of skill set, specifically for Azure compared to other ones, you know, I would say that that platform specifically relies on a lot more scripting languages. You'll find services in there where you just can't do click ops. It's not going to be fully interfaces. You're going to have to pull out your PowerShell scripts, JSON files, and also you're just going to have to kind of do things the Microsoft way, the Windows way. So if you've always been like big into Linux and things like that, well, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but if you're going to want to have the maximum performance, the, the maximum security, you're going to want to adopt Windows-based workloads and Visual Studio Code and, and what have you. Talking about security as well then, in terms of, say, building blocks for what's required to do security in Azure, what, what kind of things would people know about from a security context when trying to build infrastructure applications in Azure? When you're approaching, especially if you're at the level 100, my strongest recommendation is to take a look at the SC900. That is uh, the Microsoft Security Compliance Identity. I'm looking at the screen to remember all the words in it. Identity <laughs> Fundamentals. And it covers basically not just Azure, but also adjacent services that you're going to be using. Because most people that are running, especially if, if Azure is their primary workload, they're going to be utilizing M365, Microsoft Teams. They might be managing, uh, they might be all uh, have like Windows workstations. So they're managing those devices with Intune or whatever the new thing that Intune is in. They, they uh, put it under an umbrella there, something, something, something. I don't know what it's called now. And so, you know, I think that it's not just a matter of looking at security in Azure, but looking at the entire landscape first, and then you can go down and 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 and, and narrow into just securing your, your assets in Azure or Azure, or however you want to pronounce it. I like saying Azure. It sounds fancier. Yeah. Or, that was Azure was more, <laughs> but it sounds almost like I'm talking about like an alien ship, but it's tomato, tomato. It. From a building block perspective, you were saying that obviously understandable that having the understanding of what you're trying to deploy makes more sense in terms of identifying what you want to use. From an infrastructure perspective, what are some mm -hmm. of the common infrastructure that are used by Azure? Network security groups, auto logs. Uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, something like that. that. In terms of what are some of the foundational building blocks from that perspective? You know, I think identity plays a, a large role with accessing your resources like managed identity and things like that. So surprisingly, Microsoft Azure or Azure has, I would say, the best, the best directory, the best identity service. And it's no surprise that a lot of courses focus around a lot with identity. So I would say the first thing I would do is tackle identity and understand how that, that can be utilized to gain access to your resources. We're talking about infrastructure. It's a little bit different, right? So you generally will have, you know, virtual firewalls and there's different kinds of firewalls, right? So there's firewalls that are going to wrap around your virtual machines. Like if you're in AWS, then they're, they're called security groups and knackles. If you're in GCP, they're called, I think they're just called firewalls. But you know, there, there's that level of uh, securing those uh, compute resources that run inside a uh, virtual network. Mm -hmm. And then there is uh, <laughs> firewalls for like setting up a security, what's it called? It's when you're doing VPC pairing and you have a, it's a special type of firewall. But there's a type of firewall that you set up for, uh, like if you're setting up like an enterprise connection, you'll have a intermediate firewall or something like that, or maybe connecting to a resource. So like, how do you actually get into a machine? Right, so whether that's using Bastion or uh, SS, I think Azure has IAP. IAP is Identity Aware Proxy. If you've never heard that term, it's similar to like if you ever use AWS Sessions Manager. It's a mm -hmm. way of like clicking and getting access to 
your resource, like your compute environment very quickly. But I believe that Azure has that through Azure Active Directory. There's things right. like that. And then there's just like a whole host of, of tools that you can use like Azure Defender. It's like every, or Azure Policies or infrastructure as a code plays a role. So utilizing, I don't know if Blueprints, did Blueprints ever go preview? I don't even, I got it a preview, I don't know. Oh. But, but you know, like using ARM templates or or things like that. So there's a lot of a lot of tools, but it's not like there's anything different than what you find at other providers. It's always the same kind of building blocks. If I was to start today in the Azure space and mm -hmm. I have not watched any of the YouTube videos on the whole AZ900 or any of the other courses, I may be from an AWS or a Google Cloud background. Mm -hmm. For me to have an understanding of what does it look like from an architecture perspective, I'm going to use the AWS example because that's what I know a bit more sure. of. No AWS organization, then you have accounts, which is the sure. highest level of aggregation. No, right. And right. how does so, that kind of work in the Azure right. space? So we're talking about governance, right? The ability to manage our resources. And again, if you're looking at AWS, they've always done it organizations, organizational units, and then accounts. And yeah. over GCP, they have organizations, folders, and then projects, that's right? right. And at, over at Azure, I would I would say if I can remember it, it is tenants, subscriptions, yeah. uh, resource groups. And so, but what's interesting between like the the governance of those resources is different. And to be honest, Azure has I would say it's my favorite structure in, in terms of utilization. So like over at AWS, all your resources are within an account. And let's say you want to have another account, you literally have to sign up again and spin up resources, and you cannot easily or at all move resources from one account to another. You literally have to tear them down, go to the other account and spin them back up, right? Or share yeah. them across accounts, which is, right. which, is, yeah. which is crazy. You go yeah. over to uh, Azure, you just, everything, every time you create a resource, you're always putting in a resource group. And so I guess it just depends on, you know, how you feel about guardrails, right? So some people think that AWS account, uh, like AWS account is a good uh, uh, hard guardrail around your resources, but Azure puts it up like pushes it a little bit up and that's more at the tenant level. And it gives you a lot more agility and flexibility in terms of uh, moving your resources around. So if you make a mistake, you're like, well, I really meant to put that over there. You just say, transfer this resource over <laughs> this other resource there. But one thing that's interesting, I can't, I, yeah, you, you can't have nested resource groups inside of uh, nested resource groups. It's just a flat level. Whereas over mm -hmm. on GCP, you can have folders within folders within folders within folders. And I, you know, it's nice to have that kind of level of flexibility, like like organizational units. But yep. to be honest, I find that you don't really need all those levels, and I just find that you know that way is a lot more simpler. So we spoke about the network level firewall earlier. We spoke about governance layer as well in Azure. From a host perspective, I imagine compute is, is a bit different as well. We have the whole compute engine in GCP. From an Azure perspective, what are some of the common infrastructure, like from a compute perspective, what do you see commonly being used by a lot of people? What kind of application compute would I be expecting to be using? A common theme that you come across? Virtual machines? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of organizations, like uh, Azure uh, Azure obviously has a large existing customer base because the, uh, a lot of people are using Windows-based products on, on site. And so a yeah. lot of times their transition is that lift and shift. So most times they're not, they might not be leveraging containers or, or functions. And even uh, if you read about Azure Functions, they don't really talk about it like building applications. Like on AWS, they talk about like, you can build your entire application with it. On That's Azure, right. they kind of sell it as like, oh, it's more like an integration tool between between things like application integration, but not necessarily composing the entire application out of functions. I'm sure you could. So, you know, I think that a lot of things are sitting on that standard compute, like virtual machines. 
Wait. This is kind of where my question is coming from because most people that I speak to, they talk about from a perspective, oh, if you want compute like a virtual machine, you go to AWS. But if you want like a PaaS, like a platform as a service a solution, which is where Azure really shines. So is that something that you notice as well? Considering you also kind of like me has done multiple clouds. Is that the reality of Azure? Yeah, because I mean, like, again, you know, Microsoft is really good at tailoring to trying to bring whatever resources you have on-prem over to that, where it's like, AWS was the other way around, you know, cloud, cloud first or uh, yeah. whatever they, the term they want to go for it. And now they're trying to bring people over. So the offerings are not as, as strong. Like AWS has some elastic something. Some EB know. something. Let's just go with that. But when you are using those kind of services that you would normally use on premise, like it is just like a seamless transition over like Active Directory. You bring Active Directory over to Azure Active Directory or or it's like you're running your SQL servers, you bring over those managed SQL servers. So it yeah. really does mirror closer to the on-prem environment and makes that transition a lot easier for people. But uh, you know, with uh, AWS, you're gonna be kind of reaching out to third-party providers to meet those needs. We spoke about network, we spoke about the governance layer. We also spoke about things like from a security block perspective, what would be required and the difference in the compute as well. So. I'm thinking from a fundamental perspective, I probably would also want to know what kind of certification should I really be starting with? People starting today, understanding the Azure space, they may or may not have experience or technical experience, but A, do I need to be technical? Sounds like it's a yes based on the first answer you gave me. B, how do I kind of go down this path of becoming an Azure person? But maybe even specifically, can I specialize something in security in the Azure space? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of room to specialize in Azure and Microsoft. And and I think, there, what is it, like four or five associate certifications? I know they just released another one. So so the thing is, is that, you know, the beast of, like the nature of the beast with Microsoft is that they are trying to be number one, right? They want to be AWS and they are moving super fast and they are sprawling extremely quickly. And the more stuff you build, the more stuff you have to secure. And so that there's a lot of opportunity for specialization for, you know, cloud and Microsoft cloud workloads in general across all, all the stuff there. In terms of starting out, you know, like, should you go straight for certification or get your hands, you know, like, or, or should you even start with SC900? So SC900 is the fundamental certification that gives you broad knowledge there. But, you know, Azure, I would say, has a more of a challenge when approaching certifications, and it gets a lot steeper when you jump between fundamentals associates. So like, I would always suggest to go do AZ-900, SC-900, and even before you touch any of those other security-related certifications, you should go take that AZ-104 first and then figure out what you want to do. And the great thing about the SC-900 is that because it touches a bit of everything, you're basically kind of sampling a little bit of what all the other certifications have to offer. So if you do that, then you kind of go, oh, well, I really like doing uh, this stuff. And so that means I will, it will lead me to this certification. So, you know, I think that's why I would recommend that path. I've got a question here from Anubind on the, what's the important things we should learn about Azure? I am from AWS environment. What technical knowledge I should have to work with Azure environment? Well, you know, like I started on AWS and then I moved over to Azure. And, you know, again, the hardest thing was realizing that the Azure Active Directory was a large, larger role. Uh, you Like IAM policies are very straightforward and easy to use. But when you go over into Azure, they have more than one thing called roles, right? <laughs> and then policies aren't the same thing as AWS policies. They're actually like AWS config rules. And so the hardest thing is kind of mapping that knowledge over. And so again, you really want to go look at the AZ-900, SC-900 to get the landscape and try to map your uh, existing knowledge. You're definitely going to really need to have uh, more scripting skills. 
right? You have to be very comfortable with Windows Windows environments. And it really does help to have a Windows machine because some of the stuff, I mean, I guess it runs on everything, but I just find it easier to, to work on Azure when working uh, working with a Windows um, machine. And it doesn't hurt to learn about uh, Windows servers, right? So, because, you know, like if you're going to be on Azure, you're not going to be running, you can, but like you don't really want to be running Linux servers. So really uh, diving deep on those Windows-based tools. Because just on that, so with the scripting thing as well, uh, if people are trying to learn scripting, would that just be partial then? They can't use Bash or anything. It's not really like, it's not like learning a programming language. It's like going into the Microsoft docs and copying, mm -hmm. adjusting, and pasting. Because like, if you watch like one of my favorite Azure instructors that's on YouTube, Dean Cifola, I would say his name, like Azure Academy. And if you watch his like like his labs, he'll be doing something. He'll be like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. And then he just like pulls out a big script and it's just giant. And you go, right. oh, like, and, and for me, I want to know everything that's in that script, but you, you have to just embrace the fact that there's a lot of code out there and, and a lot of engineers have put that stuff out there and you're not going to know all of it. And you just have to kind of get used to going like, okay, I got this big glob of code and I'll just kind of move it around a little bit and, and push it and it works. And you have to be comfortable with that. So not necessarily like, like nobody writes ARM templates. Like in AWS, yeah. you write CloudFormation templates, but that's ARM right. templates with like, you spin up resources and when you want to, have a declarative IAC, you export it. It's like exporting a CloudFormation template, which sounds crazy, but that's what it is. So, I mean, you, of course, you can write Azure Bicep, which is new yeah. and awesome, but you know, like it's just those kind of paradigms that are different. Talking about the implementation side of things as well, if for a startup listening in to all of this and going, okay, I was just going to build my own thing. Cause I think, and we spoke about this offline as well. You kind of been having building this yourself. What, what do you recommend when implementing an application in Azure? What are some of the basic foundational low-hanging security things they should be taking off as they're going to go through it? Or maybe what, what, what's involved in it in your mind that, that the startup should do at minimum? Well, I, I think the thing is, is that Azure provides a, in AWS, we call those conformance packs, but it's whatever, it's like Azure policies have Azure templates. It's like a group of policies. And the nice thing about these security controls is you can kind of read through them and say, oh, these are all the things I should be implementing. So they basically have a checklist for you. I'm sure Azure has like a landing zone. So, you know, if you want to make sure you set your set up your account correctly, you just go to the docs and look up landing zone and, mm -hmm. you know, go through that documentation, take the recommendations. I just can't remember if, because at AWS, they have like an actual service called landing zone. You press a button. And I can't remember if Azure has it or not, but like, that's what I would do if I want to get set up properly is, is investigate into that. And then they have a really, really good, it used to be called Security Compass. They renamed it, but it's like this giant, uh, giant PDF and uh, video course that's in Microsoft Doc, uh, Docs. And it covers like everything, like everything you'd want to know. And it's like multiple hours, but and it, it goes well beyond the SC900, but it's from a practical perspective uh, from the customer, right? And that's something that I think that we always should give Azure or Microsoft credit for is that in their documentation, they're always thinking about like, the business use case and the application using that language to, to think, okay, not just like, here's the tool, it does these things, but like, why do you want to use this thing? And, and you know, when should you use that thing? Who should use it as well? I think they have that. Yeah, that, that was a pretty big one as well. And to your point, you're right. If you read any other documentation from say AWS or Google Cloud, it's more like, this is some, some examples, this is how you use it and good luck. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and yeah, okay then, thank you. But I think I love the fact that Azure kind of calls out the purpose behind, I guess, why would you want to go down the path as well? So maybe another question in this is that, okay, you, you kind of start at that level where you've gone through the videos and you understand the basic foundational piece for it. W what do you consider as like a benchmark for 
if this is great security in Azure, that makes sense. Like, so if you if, if say, for example, you're not teaching anymore, you're just basically reviewing an Azure environment and you've gone, okay, I'm going to review the Azure application that Ashish has deployed. What are some of the things you'll be looking for to give me a kind of good score for, oh, this is a good benchmark. This is great. This is great. Well, again, you know, Azure has, it's called the Azure Security Benchmark, and you can go through that and it's a list. There was like another service. Oh, what's it called? I, I, maybe they moved it to Azure Defender, but like they will score you based on Azure Security Benchmark is what Azure provides to you. They have a bunch and they have a lot more than AWS. Oh, actually, I shouldn't say that because AWS, I just recently checked and they've added a lot of performance packs. But so, you know, that's that's a good thing there. But I, I remember... I just can't remember if it's called Azure Defender or if it's the Microsoft Security. Mm -hmm. But what they'll do is they'll they'll score you. Like they have a tool that scores you and, and shows you like how they believe that you're doing. So you know, right. there's a like I would say that Azure is like the best at telling you if things are yeah. secure. Whereas yeah. like on AWS, you generally are reaching out to third-party providers for those kind of things. They have a lot of tools already already baked into the platform. Talking about third-party providers, I think I, that's well, one thing that I, having primarily worked in the AWS space in the, for a while, mm -hmm. I always find that the tools that are provided by AWS are never enough. And this is not saying that, that AWS is bad, but they're doing what they're doing, but Azure is doing what they're doing, Google Cloud is doing what they're doing. But in terms of, if you were to see an organization which is only running in Azure, and you have Microsoft Security Center, would you be comfortable to say, hey, that covers majority of your security? If you're using core services. So I think the thing is, you have to think of the nature of these providers. AWS is very good about releasing things when they're, and they'll do it very small in scope. And like the version one, they'll build it over time. Whereas like Azure will literally throw in coming soon into API documentations and throw preview products. And they're they're fast and loose because they're trying to gain as much ground to catch up there. Uh, and then you have GCP where, you know, they have a lot of services or sorry, I mean, like they have, their services are more like well-groomed in the sense yeah. that they don't have as many services as other ones, but they're all very solid. But, you know, you know, their approach is that they roll things out, like they deprecate things all the time on you, but, you know, it's not... Like it, they, 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 they ship things when they're ready, right? They do, uh, they do a really good job there. So I would just say that if you, if you're like into star Wars, I'm not big into star Wars, but like in star Wars, they have like this map of the galaxy and there's like the core, the core worlds. And then on the outside, there's like the sprawling stuff. And so the idea is like the farther you get away from those core services, the more risk you're running. And so the more vanilla you can be, uh, yeah. especially on Azure or any platform, the better you can get by with the stuff that is there. But especially on Azure, out of all the providers, they're really, really good at giving you that visibility for core services. So yeah, you just you just have to say, is this good enough? Primarily Azure services, because they have DLP and stuff in there as well, especially if you get the E5 license. I think mm -hmm. that's probably the adding to the cost of it. But if, if people have the privilege of being on an E5 license, uh, a lot of the security services are quite robust. Like there's a DLP, there's more other things out, outside of the whole firewall and Defender and all that. Seems to be a really prolific piece of services and security that the people can utilize, but they work really well in the context of Azure. So an example maybe of a custom one could be like SAP. Well, I, like what, well, what do you think well I mean, like, for instance, like Azure has application monitoring, like APM built into it, right? Azure Monitor. Yeah. You don't have that on AWS. You don't have that on GCP. I don't think it's on GCP. And so like, it's just nice to have that, you know, like there and integrated with services. So a lot of stuff is just there for you. You don't have to go reach out uh, to that stuff. But again, it comes with the caveat of you should be using Windows or Microsoft stuff because a lot of times they'll say like, 
yeah, we might support this down the road or no, it only works with, with Windows constantly. Or like, like, let's say you launch an Azure function for, uh, and you use Windows as the hosting, you're going to get a lot better visibility. Whereas Linux, like, I don't have any visibility at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but you know, I would just say that there's a lot of stuff that's already there for you. And the stuff that's not there, like, you know, uh, you know, we th think of defense, depth, defense and uh, depth in defense, or yeah. you want to say it the other yeah. way? Sure. And as you can see, I made it into their data centers here. So <laughs> all you need is Microsoft Authenticator. You just go like this. And But anyway, so, you know, like things like code, you know, I don't believe they have like uh, statical analysis, like in the platform, like Inibus has like uh, code. I mean, they might, right? <laughs> but, but like, you know, like there's code guru oh, and Inibus code did, guru but... does... Well, I don't think any provider has static code analysis. Unless I'm using the wrong term, but the idea is it looks at your code and says, hey, I think there's problems with it. So code guru, but that's only if you use like Python or Java. So, yeah. so but I think like, you know, if it's not in Azure, they probably have it as an open source tool somewhere because again, Microsoft is, it's not just Azure, they have all this stuff like around it, right? So like when you go over to GitHub Actions and you see all the stuff that you can, uh, you know, attach in terms of like sneak and things like that. I just kind of feel that, you know, everything that that could be is generally in Microsoft Azure and the things that are not are probably like, they probably own that company, you know, mm -hmm. or they're the own that yeah. company that's partnered with that stuff where it has easy integration, like, like, you know, GitHub and things like that. So that's great. Right. So distributed tracing. So distributed tracing in Azure is going to be done through application insights. And so one thing that I, I really like about application insights is that it has auto instrumentation for a lot of providers. Mm -hmm. Again, it's going to be mostly for .NET and or like Java and things like that, but it's very appreciated that it's there. X-Ray is such a pain to use. <laughs> Like, oh really? Oh, there you oh, go. it's it's so hard to get working properly. But I mean, it is very cost effective compared to other um, third party serverless providers. But it is really nice that Application Insights is there, and lots of time it's like single click for like Azure Functions and things like that. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. Anu Wind has a better uh, experience with X-Ray. Maybe he does. Feel free to share that. I, I was gonna say from a team perspective, when I'm making a decision for what kind of cloud should I go, what should be a trigger for hey? Sounds like you should go for Azure. Is there like a thing like that for in the Windows, Azure space? Windows servers, Windows SQL. Like really, it, like it's, oh, it's right. like if you're using that stuff or it's like maybe you're building applications that are for organizational workloads, right? So, you know, you're using Microsoft Teams. So you're going to logic apps and things like that. You know, you need to build a, again, it's not Azure, but it, it's in the realm of, you know, M365 and things like that. So a lot of times those services over there, I, I mean, I have some particular preferences. I really like Azure Data Factory. For, mm -hmm. I, like, I think it's the best ETL, EL probably does both, but you know, like data transformation tool for that. So, you know, there's some best of, best of class features in there. I'm not a big fan of Cosmo DB. It's not, it's not my particular favorite, especially when they had that security vulnerability from mm -hmm. when it was, uh, was ago, you know, but you know, like it's just going to be best of class of what you want, or I'm running Windows workload. That's pretty awesome. And I'm talking about the vulnerability thing as well. The Azure, for, unfortunately, has been getting a lot of attention recently with the three vulnerabilities that came in. But it's a good thing as well, because that just means that people are finding out more about Azure. So popularity, I guess in this context, the negative popularity is good, probably, for them. The AWS space has a lot of open source tools. A repository by Tony De La Fuente about the awesome security tools in AWS. What are some of the things people use for open... I mean... Is there an, even a need for an open source tool for Azure for security? 
I mean, I bet there was. I, I remember I saw one recently that existed. So like, there's. I'm trying to remember the ones for AWS that will investigate your your account. But like, I I just don't remember seeing any. Like, I I know there's like one, and, and to me, it's just like it's you know it's speculation. Maybe it's because you know there's just all those broad services, so you don't have to reach out to to an open source tool. I don't know, but I I could just tell you that AWS has more. Azure does not yeah. have as many. One thing I really like, and I don't know if it's been updated, but like. I'm sure it exists uh, for Azure. If it doesn't, somebody has to build it. But I love it uh, when people have tools that will set up uh, a vulnerable infrastructure, and then it's your goal to go through it and try to figure it out. So like CloudGoat, you've heard of CloudGoat oh, yeah. for, for, for AWS? AWS? So like, if there's one for Azure, somebody tell us what it is, because uh, I always think that's a great tool for for learning, like, you know, like, like learning how to read audit logs in Azure and things. All right. So wait, so is there one or there isn't one? I'll be definitely curious as well if there's one. No, I don't see one, but like, I yeah, really wish. I haven't seen one. But but maybe one of the listeners who get inspired by after listening to this, they should check out AWS Cloud Goat. Use that inspiration to build something for Azure because there is nothing for GCP as well. No, there's not. I mean, like, I'm sure that they have like, uh, you know, like quick labs might have like tutorials, but it's not like go investigate this problem. Right. And I don't know if it's because it's around the tooling, like AWS has always had really good, uh, tooling for that kind of stuff. And that's why early on we saw that stuff there. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of time that we get, uh, better, I don't know what you call them, but like, like, in, like, uh, sandbox environments for, uh, you know, doing, doing that kind of stuff. That's a good segue into my last question for the episode as well. Then you spoke about certification, but. So some of these skills said like the cloud go thing, what do you recommend people to be learning? Certification provides you a, a certain path, but from a practical perspective as well on day to day, what they would be doing in the Azure space in their day job, what, what are some of the things you recommend they should work towards in learning security and maybe Azure cloud in general as well? I mean, I think a, a really good certification is the CCSK, the Certificate mm -hmm. of Cloud Security Knowledge by the yeah. Cloud Security Alliance. So I think that is a good basis of knowledge that's outside the scope. I mean, outside of that, networking is very important. So trying to brush up on your networking knowledge. Azure has a networking certification. You can take it if you want. I would. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't like doing networking certifications. But well, I, I would. I would like to say Linux uh, networking. But if you're going to go cloud native, then obviously Linux networking is very important. But yeah, I mean, I other than the CCSK, I, you know, I don't really have much recommendations as as additional resources. I think that if you have the opportunity, and this is not just security. This is anything. If you have the opportunity to pay that hundred dollars for the support, you can you can call them on. I think chat with them, call them. And, and ask them whatever you want to kind of further your knowledge uh, a lot. You know, I, the way I learn a lot of information is, is like when I go to Reinforce, I, if I didn't have so many young kids this year, I, I would have gone. It's in June or July. And yeah. even though it's in the AWS space, all the vendors there are cloud agnostic. So the thing is, is like you go there and you go talk to every single vendor and vendors want you to use their products. So they'll give you all the information of the things that you're missing out on, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And and even, again, you know, even if it's not Azure, it's AWS. And the thing is, you know, they're not supposed to talk about Azure, but if you if you ask them, they will tell you, and you'll get a, like a boatload of information. So if you have that opportunity, go go there, or or just go sign up on their product, and someone will call you, and then ask them every question you want. You know, leverage them; they'll tell you anything. That's a good 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 good, good strategy. Uh, I've got a question here from Jay as well. So Jay Flora has a question. GCP is more developer focus. AWS is more IT system focus. How about Azure? Well, I would say Azure is more uh, IT focused. AWS is more like uh, cloud first, cloud first, startup focused. 
you know, you know, like, and I would say GCP is more, I don't know, people that like GCP startup focus or, or data focus in particular, like their data services are amazing. Like a big query, Vertex AI, you know, or, or like cloud native, every, everybody wants me to talk about Kubernetes on, on their CSP, but I always, I always say like GCP is the easiest. Like, it, like, I really like, 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 uh, AKS, they have this tool. It's, it's the coolest tool. I think Kevin Evans showed it to me and it was for setting up a, a proper EKS and, uh, EKS platform. And it was awesome. And it was an awesome tool. Yeah. And then, you know, like AWS has whatever their CLI tool is, uh, EK CLI, and it's, it's all right. It's a pain in the ass to set up Kubernetes on there, but the ecosystem of using AWS services is so good that you just kind of go, all right, I'll go through the pain of setting it up the one time. Uh, and, and it's fine after that, but like GCP was so nice. It was just like, it's just so nice for cloud native. There you go. And I think the other thing we also covered, Jay, was that if you're a Windows shop or if you're trying to cater for Windows applications, definitely Azure is probably, you should look at. Compliance. Uh, un, yeah, compliance. Anubind has another question. How important is compliance certification for cloud computing or cloud service providers? I'm going to interpret this. I, I see the word compliance certification. So I assume this means like, let's go get our SOC or SOC 2 type 2 at compliance or things like that. The thing is, is that, you know, and I'm just going to talk about like, how, like, how would you do it first of all? So the thing is, is that there are, again, AWS has uh, conformance packs. Azure has uh, Azure policies, Azure templates, whatever they're called for groupings. Uh, but the thing is, is that you're never really going to meet those requirements without a third party. So even though they have a lot of stuff built in there, you're always going to be reaching out to something like very good security, Vanta, Cyberbyte. Cyberbyte? No, what are they called? I'm trying to give them, trying to give them some some promotion here. Oh, I feel bad. I can't remember. I can't remember, <laughs> remember the name properly. It's something you know, and and I would say that you know, compliance matters based on your requirements, right? Compliance does not equal security. Compliance mm. means I'm comfortable doing business with you because I know you're doing things in a in a normal and predictable way, similar to us, right? That's the idea behind compliance. And so, you know, that's why you go after compliance, you know, on your CSP, like for your. I think the other side is also because if you have applications which require a certain compliance standard, mm -hmm. having your CSP or Azure have that certification on their side of the fence for quote unquote shared responsibility, that helps your certification get easier as well, because you can say the service that I'm using for Azure is certified for SOC 2, as you're saying, and hence. I don't have to worry about that part, but for the part that I have to manage, this is the things I'm doing for my SOC tubes, and this is what you can audit kind of a thing. Yeah, and I mean, like all, all CSPs are, are quite comparable in terms of the coverage they have for their services. Something that one thing is like FedRAMP where what's called GovCloud. So like yep. AWS has a GovCloud, Azure has a GovCloud, and Google has a thing that's, they it's not GovCloud, but they have something that uh, they say is better than the other two, but it's just different. Azure is something called Azure Confidential Compute or something, right? Con confidential Computing? Is that, is that... Uh, that was like a, that's like a term. Confidential Computing it was one of my like little uh, gaps that I never got to uh, put more time into. But it was something that I learned when I did the INE certification. So INE, people don't know, INE.com, super nice folks over there. They're also, they create uh, cloud content, security content. And they made a cloud certification. What is it called? I can't remember. ICCS something, I don't know. But it was interesting because even though they were doing like a fundamental cloud certification, they had brought up a bunch of uh, security questions that I had never really thought of, like computational compliance that like you said. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought that was very valuable. So I'm going to add another recommendation and say, you should go take the, it's not, it's like, it's a new certification, but you should take it just to get better coverage, like industry coverage. Cool. All right. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll link that in the show notes as well. And uh, thanks for the question, Anuwind and Jay and uh, Rama and Vinit as well. 
that was pretty much what we had time for. But for people who may have uh, a few more questions to kind of go through, maybe touch base with you, where can they connect with you and where can they find you on social media? The best place to find me is on TikTok. But I'm, I'm just kidding. I do have a TikTok. I'm working on it. But unfortunately, TikTok's not available in all countries. So, you know, I would say Twitter is where I'm putting a lot of my energy these days. So twitter.com forward slash Andrew Brown. LinkedIn is a good place too. So Andrew Brown, or sorry, LinkedIn.com. LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash Andrew hyphen WC hyphen Brown. I usually don't say my middle initials because in Europe, WC stands for water closet, which is the bathroom. But I couldn't get Andrew Brown on there. So I got the initials in there. But uh, there's that. I hang out in a bunch of discords. I'm in like the cloud skills discord. I'm in the hundred is a cloud. That's my discord. I'm in the tech stack study discord, which is Adrian uh, Contrails. Oh yeah. That's uh, really nice. uh, that one I'm everywhere. So I'm not hard to find. I'm always in the get pod one. It was community builders if you're there, but yeah, Twitter. And I, so need, I need, I need the followers. Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I'll put all the links as well. So people, <laughs> people can follow you in TikTok, Twitter, and I guess anyone else they, they want to hang out with you on Discord as well. Mm -hmm. But thanks so much for this, Andrew. I really appreciate you hanging out and kind of, I know it's like a very abbreviated version, but I think I'm glad we kind of got through some of the initial level one questions, but <laughs> we, def we definitely should bring you in for level two conversation when we kind of go through that as well. But thanks so much for coming in, man. And thank you everyone for else who tuned in and uh, we will see you next week in episode, but thanks Andrew. And thanks everyone else. Peace. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.